Welcome to the podcast that takes you back in time to rewind and relive all things nostalgia in the world of professional wrestling. Get ready to go beyond the bell. With your host, ring announcer, Sean Beckerman. We conclude our spooktacular series of the Halloween Havoc Trilogy on this edition of Beyond the Bell. No old school fans, it's not the Yeti. It is your old school host, independent ring announcer Sean Beckerman, back with you to cover all things nostalgia in the world of professional wrestling. Part 3 picks up right where we left off in 1994 and we move right in through the years 95 through 98 in havoc history find out what happened when the hallowed event went dark from the monster truck madness to hogan warrior 2 this edition covers it all in havoc history listen to retro audio featuring hollywood hogan the warrior nature boy rick flair the giant and many, many more. Monster Trucks, The Return of the Warrior, Potential Death Angles, Botched Fireballs, and Classic Cruiserweight Action, all during this era of Halloween Havoc. So after this quick break, get ready to relive Halloween Havoc 1995. It was surely one to remember. Wearing a t-shirt from 80stees.com makes me feel like a kid again. I can picture myself opening up the brand new Junkyard Dog LJN Wrestling Superstars rubber action figure. I am ready to style and profile with my Ric Flair retro tee. I also grabbed the original Hot Rod Ringer tee so I can host Piper's Pit with my five-year-old son. I even bought his first ever hot rod tea as well from andre the giant to macho man randy savage 80s teas takes you back in time to celebrate your all-time favorite wrestling legends all of their teas provide you with a vintage look and feel you can also be involved in the production process as you can crowdfund your favorite designs 80steas.com delight and amaze the kid in us all Welcome back to Beyond the Bell. Old school wrestling fans, let's start off with Halloween Havoc 1995. The Horsemen Ride Again. After weeks of bickering, Ric Flair and Arn Anderson, best friends, and former Four Horsemen stablemates locked horns for the first time ever in an emotional match at Fall Brawl. The crowd loved it. But it was obvious that Flair and Anderson were far from seeing eye to eye any time in the near future. Meanwhile, Brian Pillman was beginning to further attach himself to Arn, forming a deceptive heel duo to torment the Nature Boy. Flair started to feel the heat. He enlisted longtime rival Sting to be in his corner at the upcoming Halloween Havoc pay per view. 
Sting agreed, shockingly, the Stinger was going to team with the Nature Boy. To the surprise of roughly no one, Flair turned on Sting. He rejoined Arn Anderson with Brian Pillman and reformed a strong incarnation of the most dominant stable in professional wrestling history, the Four Horsemen. The crowd, despite heavily supporting Sting, blew the roof off of the building with this heelish horseman group reunited. They appeared and prepared to once again dominate WCW through the strong-arm bullying and outside interference. Again, Flair turned on the Stinger and joined forces with Arn Anderson. And it was so unique and special to see Brian Pillman join the Horseman because Pillman was the loose cannon, the smoking gun, added a different element to the Horseman and rejuvenated them as it added some young blood to the stable. It should note that prior to the turn, we saw Pillman kick Flair in the back of the head, knocking him out, of course, causing a flare of bloodbath. But we thought Pillman, an arch enemy of the Nature Boy, instead, Pillman now was a horseman. Let's take a look at what we saw last night. Arn Anderson and Flying Brian, it was reported earlier that they had attacked the Nature Boy, Ric Flair, and he was injured, and we were not sure as to if he would wrestle or not. Therefore, Sting had to come to the ring by himself. And what a match it was. It was basically a one-on-two. One-on-two, Ric Flair was not anywhere to be found. Then Ric Flair made his appearance. His forehead was taped. He ran into the ring, and he was waiting on Sting. As a matter of fact, he was encouraging Sting, it seemed, to make the tag. And then Sting finally did make the tag. Once he made the tag, as you see right here, brutally attacked not only by Arn Anderson and Flying Brian, but by the nature boy, Ric Flair, as well. As a matter of fact, they were holding Sting for Flair to work him over as well. It was obvious then, as Flair peeled the tape from his forehead, that it was an entire farce. And at the end, of course, three men were really whooping it up. And with that in mind, let's bring my guest at this time, right here to Dayton, Ohio, live, the nature boy, Ric Flair, Flying Brian, and Arn Anderson. We call it a dynasty, the greatest team on the face of God's green earth. 
Shivani for two years now. Everywhere I've gone, everybody's asked me the same thing. When are you going to put this back together? And I told them, be careful what you wish for. You just may get it. Now, Sting, do not hold your head down in shame. You did the impossible. You were more man than we ever believed. You fought two of the horsemen for 10 minutes. But pure mathematics and the law of physics will tell you it can't be done. So we all find ourselves today with our hand going into that familiar cramp. There's now three, soon there'll be four, and you know what that means. Tell them, Nate. Hey, brother, does it ever feel good? Somebody go get me a bag. I want to vomit. Guess what? Guess what? We're back. We're back. And whether you like it or you don't like it, learn by God to love it because it's the best thing going today. Sting, you're like a lot of women we deal with every day. We're gonna tell you what you wanna hear. We're gonna do what we wanna do. And if you don't like it, if your friends don't like it, next Monday night on Nitro, the horseman will be in town, ready to go to work. Woo! And we'll have more after this on Nitro. Oh my. Monster Truck Madness in 1995. As WCW officials casually surveyed the crowd before an early 1995 pay-per-view, one man immediately came into view. This man stood out like no other wrestling fan they'd ever seen before. WCW officials were so impressed by the sheer look of this man, his size, his overall, the entire package of this superstar they began frantically alerting everyone who would listen of his presence, dragging many outside of the curtains to have a look for themselves. Within a week, Paul White was under WCW contract. After a brief stint in WCW's power plant, he was rushed into an early debut on WCW television. While most wrestlers, you could say, pay their dues, work their way up the ladder, and earned the right to eventually headline a card, Eric Bischoff had a much, uh, or a very different idea for Paul White. Originally brought in as the son of Andre the Giant, Paul White would immediately be cast into a main event feud with Hulk Hogan. White had few skills, an entire locker room full of angry vets who felt as if he'd been given too much, too soon, and a horrible offensive gimmick that no one was buying. How dare they insult us, ruining the legacy of Andre the Giant with this new guy, this newbie. But despite having all these cards immediately stacked against him, at least he had a strong, properly told storyline to push the surefire angle right into main event status. Well, that was the goal initially. But at this time in 95, WSW was doing some crazy and <laughs> surprising things. They were trying to be innovative, but at times it turned out to be very 
dumbfounding. The Giant made his debut at WCW's Fall Brawl in 1995, putting an end to one of the worst matches you possibly would ever see on television. As the pay-per-view approached, Hulk Hogan was continuing to use every ounce of his political power to transform WCW into, you could say, a bizarro world version of 1980s WWF. With each passing day, another trace of the legendary time-honored Southern wrestling that WCW had preserved over the years was being destroyed by the Hulkster and his Merry Men and replaced with recycled, unoriginal, badly worked gimmicks, storyline, matches, and events. As a longtime fan, I enjoyed the difference between WCW and the WWF. Of course, since I lived in the East Coast and lived in the tri-state area, of course, I would draw more towards the Federation as it was my hometown company. I preferred at times the glitz and the glamour over the strict in-ring content. But as I got older, of course, I now prefer the art and the style of professional wrestling mixed in with the entertainment aspect. But, of course, I was a WWF guy, but I loved all wrestling. So... Let's flip the page. If you're a WWNWA fan, you could be appalled by what was happening right before your eyes every week in 1995. During this pivotal time period, hundreds of thousands of longtime NWA wrestling fans all but abandoned WCW at this point. This was due to Hogan coming in and replaying his famous feuds or trying to reignite Hulkamania in WCW. The main event of Fall Brawl was an epic eight-man match between Hulk Hogan's Hulkamaniacs and Kevin Sullivan's Dungeon of Doom. This was a sheer example of the 80s-style WWF presence in WCW. You can tell from the superstars, or should we say wrestlers, participants in this match. You had Hulk Hogan, Randy Savage, Brutus Peefcake, Kamala, Earthquake, uh, King Haku, which was known as Ming, of course, all combined in this match. Sting and Lex Luger rounded out the babyface side, and in the process, long-time WCW fans were, you could say, slapped right in the face when two of their company's brightest self-created original stars were demoted to playing the part of subservient superstars to Hogan and his rest or his WWF friends slash foes. In the end, Hogan's team won, and he got five minutes alone in the cage with Kevin Sullivan. Enter... Paul White, now known, of course, as the Giant or the son of Andre the Giant. Paul White ran in from the back, decimated Hogan, and choked him unconscious. As a result, the new Big Money feud was born, and then you could say things plummeted straight from there. The Giant immediately joined the Dungeon of Doom, and initially he was just known as the son of Andre the Giant or Andre's son. But to avoid any messy legal situations, WCW eventually stopped referring to the Giant as Andre's son and instead had him cut ridiculously crazy promos from a corny design, mysterious ice cave in which catchphrases were used, I will destroy Hulkamania or I'm the son of a giant. So due to legal threats being elevated, the reference eventually, which would be known as the son of Andre, would leave us to just know him as the giant. So week after week, we saw certain segments take place from the ice cave where the dungeon's lair would take place. For weeks on end, the giant would terrorize Hogan using his specially designed 
intricately painted monster truck. That's right, folks. You have an over seven foot monster giant attacking Hulkamania. But no, he needed something special on top of it. He needed an edge to beat Hulk Hogan. He needed a monster truck. He even went as far as to run over the Hulkster's Harley Chopper with his glamorized big wheels truck. When the giant lured Hogan to the secret ice cave, he attacked him from behind and beat him into the ground with the help of Kamala. Hogan had finally, finally had enough. He was determined, and Hogan was ready to exact his revenge. What did he do, you may ask? He got his own monster truck. All this came to a head at Cobo Hall in Detroit, Michigan, as WCW's Hollywood Havoc took place in 1995. The giant Hulk Hogan signed to compete in not only a match for the WCW World title, but also a monster truck match on the roof of the Kobo Arena. Yes, you heard it right, folks. What happened that night made many fans feel that as if their intelligence had been insulted, more so than it ever had before, being a wrestling fan. It was known, or it should be known, that this was Hogan's idea. Late into Halloween Havoc, Hogan and the Giant manned their respective monster trucks atop the roof of the famed Kobo Hall Arena. The object of the monster truck fight was simply to push your opponent out of a yellow circle, which was drawn on the ground. And of course, Hogan even refused to job in the monster truck contest, easily pushing the giant out of the circle. The giant was irate and went immediately after Hogan. Hogan jumped from his monster truck and the fight was on, on top of the Kobo Hall. What happened next, you may ask? I bet you're at the edge of your seats, fans. The giant, with a little help from Hogan, fell off the top of the arena. He fell off the roof of Kobo Hall. Yes, you heard me right. So nice, had to say it twice. Paul White, in theory, plunged well over 100 feet to concrete below. The giant was all but dead. Hogan sat idly by, mustering up tears and putting on, you could say, one of the most interesting acting jobs of his career. Now, here's the part that may make you go a little crazy being a wrestling fan. I know we're supposed to suspend our disbelief and dive into the world of professional wrestling and just let loose and just enjoy yourself. But come on, there has to be a point where you say enough is enough. Five minutes later, five minutes later, Hogan came out to reluctantly accept his victory in the title match because of the Giants' massive injuries, of course. But then out of nowhere, the Giant just comes strolling down to the ring, practically smiling and whistling. We're talking less than a half an hour after he supposedly fell off the top of a major arena. The announcers didn't even mention the fall, and the match went on as normal, like nothing ever happened. With the help of a Jimmy Hart heel turn and the outside interference of a mummy, yes, the Yeti, like we discussed in WCW 101, the Giant went on to become the new WCW World Heavyweight Champion. What happened next wasn't that important. What was really important was the fact that WCW had seemingly changed their entire game plan and they didn't even bother to at least bit try to make it come together in any way. They didn't even mention the fall off the roof. The giant fell off the roof of the Kobo Hall Arena. And five minutes later, he was running the ropes. Mind-numbing, right fans? 
history was made that night in 1995 as the Giant debuted in WCW and won the WCW World Championship. We will never, ever forget the monster truck madness from Halloween Havoc. Right there, this is my world. Wait a minute, what are the rules you have to tell us, brother? All right, drivers, this is how it's going to be. The circular of the perimeter here, there are two charges. The vibrations of the truck can make it go off, and you can run over it. Unless it disables that truck, you keep on running them. End of this glass up, I want the truck to be completely out of the ring. That doesn't mean one set axle, that means two sets of axles. So the truck has to be completely out, all the way to the bumper. When you see those bumpers come in here, we're going to weld them shut. Now, I want to be on the top of that truck. When you see my hands and those charges go off, I'm going to jump off that bumper and the, and the best truck wins. So go for it. I'm going to win. Yes, you Oh, this is it. This is it. Basically, the rules, let me reiterate for you, if I may. You need to get both sets of axles out of that circle in order to be declared the winner. And did I understand him correctly, Bobby, to say that there are two charges place randomly within that circle is that what i heard well if, if this thing runs on alcohol there could be an explosion out there i wouldn't want that truck to be anywhere near any pyro any charges hogan could wind up in toronto bob chandler as we're looking on they are literally welding these two trucks together there is no escape now it's gonna be a battle to the finish here we don't know what's gonna happen how much gas how much oil, uh Alcohol. alcohol. How big are the gas tanks? They held uh, about 15 gallons apiece. And if they do, if the charge goes off by that alcohol, they're goners. I mean, you got a guy with a welder there. <laughs> but if, the, if it blows up the hydraulic lines, they'll lose their steering. If it blows up the uh, the water lines, they'll overheat. But the worst thing, if they blow up the, the uh, fuel lines, they're gone. All right, you are looking at the top of Cobo Hall, Cobo Arena, adjacent to the Joe Lewis Arena here. We have got helicopters, we've got police, and now we have the world's first ever monster sumo match as the monster pushes Hogan. Hogan reacting, digging in. And listen to this crowd inside of Joe Louis Arena as Hulk Hogan buries the pedal to the metal. And they're not wearing any, uh, they're not wearing helmets. I don't think they have seatbelts in that thing, Bob. Oh, yeah, they got seatbelts. Huh? They'll be okay in a truck as long as they don't go off the edge of the building. And you can see the flashing lights. 
just beyond that, a brick wall, just beyond that is Windsor, Canada. And nothing in between it other than a parking lot and a river. Oh, look at this! Here Hogan's we go. going back! Hogan is back! They didn't get both tires out. They got to get them all the way out before they win. So. Only, that's right, only one set of wheels. And now Hogan. And just, you can hear the roar of these vehicles. Bob, if they weren't hooked together, they were like in the Bonneville salt plants, how fast can one of these trucks go? Well, they drive about 100 miles an hour, Bobby. Oh, look at this! Hogan now! Hogan! Just to go out! This is exciting. Hogan, now it looks to me like Hogan is, is positioning the monster towards the center. He may be trying to swing him out of here, Bob. That's what he, That's a good angle if he can do that. He can swing him around him. Get some momentum going. He can swing him all the way out, all the way out of the ring. And now Hogan going back again. And I'll tell you what, this Dungeon of Doom truck is one frightening-looking machine. But what would you expect? I think Hogan's going to have the horsepower to torque by the time we're through. He did a lot of work on this truck, and uh, he should win this. Is, is that rain there on the roof, or is Hogan just nervous earlier? <laughs> Look at this. Hogan going back again. Hogan going back, and we have a charge. We have a charge. They Almost hit, got him all the way out. They hit one of those random place charges, and you can't tell. It doesn't appear that there's been any damage done to the truck. Here's our aerial shot again. We have the fire department is up here. We have ambulances. And I'll tell you, if they go willing, off, we won't need them. If they go off that rooftop into the river, you won't find them for months. If you ever do. History is being made tonight, Bishop. You realize that? History is being made. These two 11,000 pound, 1,500 horsepower, alcohol burning monster sumo trucks doing what has never been the roof, Bishop. No, 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 the edge of the roof. Whoa. You better get the firemen out there with the nets. The giant has got Hulk Hogan on the edge of the roof of Cobo Hall. Oh, my. Oh, no. Oh, no. Off of that. Somebody get him off of there. I Get him look. off of there! No! No! Oh my god! No! Oh no! Help! Help! No! Help. Oh my god! Around! Oh! Um. 1996 came about and Halloween Havoc was invaded by the NWO, the New World Order. WCW's rise started from 95 
to 96 when Nitro debuted with the invasion of the New World Order. Scott Hall, Kevin Ash, teaming with Hulk Hogan to create Hollywood Hogan and the New World Order. Ratings skyrocketed. WCW finally was defeating the World Wrestling Federation. Nitro was above Raw, and WCW, for the first time ever, was number one in the professional wrestling world. And Halloween Havoc from that year, 1996, provided a memorable moment at the end of the show. In the main event, Hollywood Hogan defeated Macho Man Randy Savage to retain the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. Hogan pinned Savage after the Giant came in and chokeslammed Savage to the floor. The Giant then dragged an unconscious Hogan on top of Savage. We look back a year prior, the Giant and Hogan battling in Monster Truck Madness, now the Giant a part of the NWO. From the dungeon to the order, during the match, Miss Elizabeth tried to interfere on Savage's behalf to no avail, and Hollywood Hogan retained the WCW title. But was most memorable was not that victory, but the debut of a former World Wrestling Federation superstar, Rowdy Roddy Piper. He came out following the match to confront Hogan and make officially his WCW debut. And Chuck Tashe were told by senior official Nick Patrick, who no! can do that. Now, to leave. now is there any question who the real king of Hollywood is? This is sick. Well, he's a lucky man. I'm tired of Ted Turner. I'm taking over the WCW. Everybody that gets in the ring with the NWO or Hollywood Hulk Hogan is going down. And all I got to say, NWOites, you definitely caught the right train because we're heading out of town. What you gonna do? Well, ladies and gentlemen, Hollywood Hulk Hogan retains the world heavyweight title thanks to... Hey. What is that? What's this all about? What's this music? What is this? There's no other match schedule. It sounds like what? I'm going to tell you what it sounds like, boys. That's a big old chill bump running up and down my spine right now. I'm starting to get the bumps. I think I know what you're talking about. Sounds like bagpipes to me. Oh, no. Wow! Would you look at this? Yes! You know who that is! My goodness! It's Roddy! Roddy! Piper! No doubt about it! Out of nowhere! Look at Hulk Hogan's face! That's one man Hogan does not want to see! That's one man who has haunted Hogan's life since he started in this business! That's right! Get behind the giant chicken! He wants no part of Rowdy, Rowdy Piper. And once again, WCW has just shocked the world. Don't even think about it. 
So you're bored, are you? I've come here to break your monotony. Hey, Sprout! Sprout! Why don't you just head back with a Jolly Green Giant and take a break? Whoa, 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 whoa. You know, you know what, uh, Mr. Piper? There's a big lack of communication here because when I said that I made wrestling, when I said that I own wrestling and I control wrestling, now that I really think about it, I remember that you and I were running neck and neck. Why don't you shut up for a second? It's my turn. Be careful. I am not here to represent the WCW, the NWA, the SPCA, the SOB, although I can be one SOB when I want to be. Be careful. Be real careful. Yeah, I made a lot of money being real careful. <laughs> I'll tell you something there, Charlie Brown. You've been saying that if it wasn't for you, professional wrestling wouldn't be what it is today. Boy, do I got news for you. I come to you for a reality check there, partner. I come because, you see, I'm just as big an icon in this sport as you are. I am just as big a Hollywood movie star as you are. You know, let me have my piece because I'm shooting with this one, folks. I don't care, man. I'm a multi-millionaire, too. I started fighting pro when I was 15 years old. I've had over 6,000 professional matches. I've been stabbed three times. Who? Hello. Sit back, Sprout. Sit back. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's cut. Wait a second. No, no, no. Shut your mouth. Let's cut. Hang on. Point. Let me have the floor. I've caught your act. Where were you when I was 15 years old taking on all comers in a garage? Where were you? Playing the bass guitar in Tootsie's Bar and Grill? Huh? Where were you? Shut up, man. Do something, Piper. I'm going to call a spade a spade. We ran together. The heck with a backstory. We fought together. And I don't have a problem with you because, okay, as you've been out in Hollywood making all those movies and becoming a multi-millionaire, I have to think back and give the devil his due. We ran neck and neck. No, no, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> you remember WrestleMania? <laughs> If I hadn't knocked out Mr. T, took on the New York City Police Department, chased Dick Clark back, had my way with Liberace, if they didn't hate me so much, you think they would have been cheering you so much? Shut up, I ain't finished. 
what bothers you? I'm the only guy you have never been able to beat. He's right. And I'll tell you something else. You're going to admit it. I am as big an icon in this sport, and whether you want to say it or not, you at least have the guts to put your hand out, and you shake my hand, and you admit that it isn't you that brought all these people here. It's all these people here that made you. Now, I'll be glad to. Let me tell you something, Piper. We've had wars to settle the score, which didn't get settled. And I thought you took off with your family and were at peace with yourself. But now that I see you face to face, me being the honest man that I am. Yes, I admit, you're just as big a superstar as I am. Then straighten up. Oh, by the way, Piper, on the way out, when you go to the bathroom, you're supposed to squat in that one. Wow. Huh. Well, I'll tell you what. Let me tell you something. No, I've had enough. Let me tell you something. You're messing with Hollywood Hogan and the NWO. You step back into my world, I can still see you've got the makeup on your face, Piper. And the way it goes, now that I look in your eyes, maybe we need to have the war that didn't settle the score. You your day's coming. Yeah, I want to know something. Yeah. I'm the reason you got no hair, and what you're going to do about it? Your day's coming, Piper. Oh, really? Your day's coming. Put your hands off, Sprout. Your day's coming, wow. Piper. Come on, Giant. Ladies, no fear. We have to go. Tell Let's you go. something else here, Jack. Let's go. I'm the boss. Let's go. But I'm Talk not you finished. Are. You know why? You forgot something. Now we got a problem. Now we got a problem. Now we got oh, a problem. Fans, we have to get out of here. Tell you what my biggest problem is here. I caught your act with Elizabeth. Snacks Good night, everybody. There. This is my sport. You can have this for now, but I'm telling you something. I won't allow... The date was October 29th, 1997. Mask versus title. Quite possibly the greatest pure wrestling match in Halloween Havoc history. On this particular October evening, Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero would deliver a match that would come to define and personify everything that was unique and special about cruiserweight wrestling. Any critic of smaller non-heavyweight wrestling needs to look no further than this match to see how effective and powerful the division could be if handled properly. This is why I, a perfect example of this is what could be done in today's day and age in professional wrestling. With the extra hour on Monday Night Raw, with two hours of SmackDown, WWF, well, we're talking old school fans, WWE main event, and also we have NXT, there is need, there is a need, and there is an opening for Cruiserweights to return. 
this match, this feud, is a perfect example of the value that could be driven by a cruiserweight division. As is the case in most cruiserweight wrestling, you could say the backstory was simple, as it really needs to be. Eddie Guerrero was injured earlier in the year. He returned with the previously unseen and unforeseen fire in his eyes, quickly turning heel and destroying everyone who got in, the, in his way and his path to the championship. His ultimate goal, he wanted the WCW Cruiserweight Championship. Eddie's campaign of destruction culminated two and a half months before Havoc at Fall Brawl in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Eddie Guerrero and Chris Jericho engaged in a 20-minute Cruiserweight Classic to open up the pay-per-view. Eddie defeated Jericho to become the new Cruiserweight Champion. This is what made WCW special as well. The opening Cruiserweight matches got the crowd hot and ready for the rest of the card. A month later, enter Rey Mysterio Jr. into the championship hunt. Despite the technical prowess of legendary cruiserweights such as Dean Malenko, Chris Benoit at the time, and Eddie Guerrero, Ray's amazing aerial feats, revolutionary offense, and edge-of-your-seat speed, it's really what made casual wrestling fans take notice of WCW's exploding cruiserweight scene. In early October on Nitro, Ray challenged Eddie Guerrero to a match for the title at the upcoming Halloween Havoc pay-per-view. Eddie agreed to the match, but on one condition. Ray Mysterio Jr. put his mask on the line against the Cruiserweight title. Sometimes, you could say, that the, the bookers, the storyline creators, the creative team of today's wrestling, they don't realize that male pride is often more, it's more compelling. Male pride is what people drive for unless you're a female, of course, but it's a really compelling, it's much more of a compelling reason to fight than spill coffee or anything of that nature. Something simple. Make it simple. Like they say, the, the, the quote is, make it simple, stupid. The introductions were made. The bell was rung, and the best opening match, arguably, in WCW pay-per-view history, and the second best opening match to ever take place in American pay-per-view wrestling, you can argue this, began. Go back and watch the footage, fan. A great match. The match was 20 minutes of brutal maneuver after brutal maneuver, innovative spot after innovative spot, and enough masterful psychology to have the entire NWO loving crowd, the entire New World Order fan base, hanging on their every move and living and dying by the numerous near falls that took place. When the smoke cleared, Ray Mysterio Jr. had reversed a splash attempt by Eddie into an, an insane, it's an, an insane Harakurana, rolled him up and pinned him cleanly to retain his mask and win his first ever WCW Cruiserweight Championship. It was a truly emotional moment as Ray held the belt high above his head and the crowd gave a standing ovation to an incredible match. This is the match that made wrestling fans open their eyes and truly take notice to what was going on in the Cruiserweight division. If not for the Christmas night classic between Brian Pillman and Jushin Thunder Liger at the Omni in Atlanta, which was a match that was one for the ages as well, this match would be considered the greatest cruiserweight match to ever take place on American soil. You can watch it. I have it on DVD right now. It's on the uh, the Ray 619 uh, compilation. Good DVD. Great match list. And check it out on that DVD. I'm sure it's on other ones, the High Flyers, I believe it is. But the match alone is worth every penny of the price of any DVD 
or any collection or even on demand anything. This match was an instant classic, a true classic, you could say, in every in every sense of the word. Watch it. This shows that cruiserweight division, cruiserweights itself, has a place in professional wrestling and can draw money in a sense. Halloween Havoc 1998, the WCW TV title match between Raven and Chris Jericho. This makes our series list for a couple reasons. The match was amazing. While only clocking in around 10 minutes, you'd be hard-pressed to find any more of an intense, action-packed 10 minutes anywhere in the vaults of WCW Halloween Havoc history. More importantly, this match was the one you could say that made Chris Jericho. Jericho is one of the great examples of a wrestler with no real direction, no true push, limited TV time, that the man got himself insanely over on personality alone. Jericho's Super Jacob performance in 1995 brought Jericho to the attention of the hardcore fans. Chris Jericho's feud with Dean Malenko made smart fans sit up and take notice of him. And Chris Jericho's win over a red-hot Raven pushed Jericho into the next stratosphere. After nearly 10 minutes of insane bumps, near falls, and downright brutal blows between the two, Raven tapped out cleanly to the Lion Tamer. What a finisher that was, the Lion Tamer. This gave Jericho a major victory and enough momentum to propel himself straight into a long-term, high-dollar contract with the hottest wrestling organization in the country, the World Wrestling Federation. Arguably, you could say it was the worst feud in WCW history because it produced the worst match that Halloween Havoc ever saw. Hogan Warrior 2. As 1998 unfolded, one thing that was readily obvious to both wrestling fans and those within the industry as well was that Vince McMahon's WWF was the dominant force within the industry and was showing no signs of slowing down anytime soon in the, no- in the foreseeable future. No possible way. The very same WSW that had dominated the Monday Night Ratings War for well over 80 weeks was now getting its butt handed to them by the very company that they had so arrogantly claimed they would put out of business. Aside from Bill Goldberg's spontaneous combustion, nothing within WSW was truly clicking anymore. As the backstage chaos and anarchy slowly trickled its way onto the screen, and Hulk Hogan's stranglehold on Eric Bischoff and WSW became more and more apparent to those watching at home. In a desperate attempt to stop the bleeding and reassert WSW as the number one wrestling promotion on the planet, Bischoff again listened to Hogan and brought in a marquee name, long rumored to be on his way to WSW, the Ultimate Warrior. Hogan generously offered to resume his long, dormant feud with the Warrior, assuring Bischoff that the feud would draw millions of new fans to World Championship Wrestling, as well as bring in hundreds of thousands additional who had been desperately waiting years for the rematch between himself and the Warrior. Due to a messy lawsuit with the WWF, Jim Helwig, a interesting character in itself, legally changed his name to the Warrior. By doing so, he gained the legal right to refer to himself as the Warrior. He was no longer ultimate under threat of lawsuit, but was still a crazy neurotic warrior. 
the warrior was offered an astronomical amount of money by Eric Bischoff, especially by today's standards, and given moderate creative control over his character as well. The warrior burst immediately onto the Nitro scene with one of the most famously outlandish promos of all time. It was long-winded, it didn't make much sense, it measured nearly 15 minutes in length, the crowd was clueless, it didn't seem to make much sense, it was puzzling at, a, at times as the warrior spoke and spoke, the air out of the feud balloon started to drizzle away. As the warrior spoke and spoke, the feud seemed to lose its momentum rather quickly. Things didn't stop with the promos, though. For the warrior, again, exercising his creative freedom, you could say, had apparently developed magical powers during his time away from the business. Its segments too horrendously <laughs> moronic to even ever stand a chance of being accurately described. You would see it on Are You Serious? Under the uh, WWE's YouTube channel, the warrior would raise his arms in the, in the backstage area, allowing a magical smoke to fill the ring. The catch is the smoke would temporarily knock the entire NWO unconscious, leaving Hogan standing alone in the ring, surrounded by a heap of wrestlers getting paid millions of dollars a year to lay in the ring and pretend to sleep. Oh, this gets better, folks. The warrior would then appear magically from the smoke via a hidden trap door under the ring. Not only was the entire thing absolutely horrible, but the trap door was specialty built into the ring for this special magic show that took place, but this door actually injured many wrestlers. But it also ended the career of Davy Boyd Smith at the same time. This is when he took a faulty bump through the trap door. All this was done to get the warrior over. The angle continued to run its course, with the warrior playing mind game after mind game with Hogan. As both men slowly began to lose their minds, things all came to a head live on Nitro. What resulted was easily one of the worst moments in WCW history. Hogan was sitting in his dressing room in front of a mirror, looking at himself and preparing to head towards the ring. Suddenly, seeming out of nowhere, the warrior appeared in the mirror. He looked like a science project hologram in a sense. It was crazy. It was awful in a sense. You cannot... It was awful. Hogan cartoonishly dropped his jaw as if he'd just seen a ghost. To make matters worse, nobody knew what was going on. The original intent of the scene was to be that Hogan was the only one able to see the warrior, with everyone else thinking that Hogan was going crazy. Of course, in typical WCW fashion, the entire Nitro audience could see the warrior... In the mirror. Tony Schiavone screamed. In an over-the-top fashion. The warrior, he's in the mirror. And even more typical WCW fashion, Bischoff comes strolling into Hogan's dressing room, but is seemingly unable to see the warrior in the mirror. Bischoff, of course, on an entirely different page than the production crew and the announce staff, but then again, the organization was never really exactly WCW's strong suit. Organization was not a key component in WCW storylines. In a desperate attempt to catch lightning in a bottle for a second time, there was the epic return match, almost 10 years in the making. It was signed for Halloween Havoc between Hollywood Hogan and The Warrior.
wasn't just the appearance of the warrior that shocked Hollywood Hogan. It was the words that the warrior had to say on Nitro. Somehow, you have conveniently, even eloquently, misplaced pieces of your history. But different than you may remember, and albeit you may have beaten myths, legends, giants, and other great men, you never, never beat a warrior. I intend to launch a revolution not even you can control. I ask you to find the courage. The old saying goes, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. The warrior subscribes to that theory by joining a new member in his one warrior nation. Come on down, warrior. Big bad warrior, I'll show you what. All right, he finally showed his face. You're gonna get yours, man. Oh, I love it, man. And you know what? Uh This one's for the disciple, warrior. I'm not only gonna beat you up, I'm gonna hurt you real bad, so you're gonna get yours, brother. What is this? The, the disciple. Oh, he's back. One Warrior hey. Nation. OWA. What's going on with that? What's up with that? If you didn't think the Warrior had gotten under Hogan's skin, take a look at what Hollywood Hogan did to his own flesh and blood, his nephew, Horace Hogan. Let's go to Nitro. This is blood. My brother was his father. When it comes to blood, when it comes to sacrificing, When it comes to the NWO horse, the warrior doesn't get it. Because just like this shirt off my back, the warrior talks about sacrifices. Well, Halloween Havoc, I'm going to show the warrior a sacrifice. And warrior, here's one right now. Put it down, you coward. I'll take you. Uh-oh. The bat's loose. The giant has the warrior in the clutches. Bury the warrior. Of the jokester. Hogan was pushing these men around minutes ago. And Hogan's got spray paint. The Warrior will be ready tonight at Snickers Halloween Havoc 98 Legend. For the first time in eight years, The Warrior and Hollywood Hogan, one-on-one. Well, The Warrior will be definitely ready for Hollywood Hulk Hogan. He knows what a desperate man will do, and we've seen the last act of a desperate man. All the smoke and all the mares all boil down to this. In less than 30 minutes, the end of Hollywood Hulk Hogan could be a reality. The revolution continues. The One Warrior Nation versus the New World Order. Hollywood at Snickers Halloween Havoc 98. The shadows have unleashed a forgotten soul. Awakening. 
Sneakers presents Halloween Havoc. Live tonight and only on pay-per-view. Don't miss out. Order now. The match was hyped as if it was the most important match in the history of wrestling. Despite complete and total indifference towards the warrior. He had a different name, different music. It wasn't even remotely close to his... He cut promos so bizarre, so long-winded, and so downright and Hogan and Warrior did everything in their power to recreate the epic feel of their WrestleMania 6 showdown. Unfortunately, it was now in 1998, and Pat Patterson wasn't there to script out every last move of the match. As the Warrior sprinted towards the ring at full speed, you could literally hear pins dropping and random spurts of laughter. It was that bad. The match was equally horrendous. Tests of strength, double clotheslines, evil referees, massive interference... The overbooking took a match that could have made money, and could, if done in the right manner, and transformed it into one of the very worst matches in the company's decades of existence. How fitting the end came with Horace Hogan, lifelong jobber and Hogan's biggest fan, interfering with a chair, KOing the Warrior, and gave Hogan the pinfall. But the biggest spot in the match, or blown spot you could say was Hogan trying to ignite had a lighter in his hand tried to ignite a fireball to throw into the warrior's face Hogan had trouble lighting the the cloth he had or whatever substance he was trying to ignite with and it looks so so corny so scripted uh, so outlandish that it looks so sloppy the two fumbled with each other nothing ever came out of the big fireball blast and at the end Hogan supposedly got his vengeance on the warrior. Luckily, the warrior was injured in the match and required a few weeks off on top of it. During his days of recovery, it was decided by WSW that the warrior was not needed anymore in WSW and would be better sitting at home, you could say, rather than risk the repercussions of ever having him on television again. As a result, the rubber match did not take place between the Ultimate Warrior and Hulk Hogan. And we'll wrap it all up with Halloween Havoc. The year was 1998. This was a memorable moment in Halloween Havoc history, but not for the reasons I think WSW wanted it to be. The WSW World Title Match between Diamond Dallas Page and Bill Goldberg. Yes, Halloween Havoc drew a blackout that night. Bill Goldberg and DDP had the unenviable task of following up the tragically bad rematch between Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior that night. The crowd was all but dead after such a horrendous bout between the two. And few thought that Goldberg, a legitimate draw but surly lackluster wrestler, and DDP losing heat by the second would be able to generate any crowd interest, let alone save the show. DDP and Goldberg would go on to completely tear the house down and have the best Halloween Havoc main event match in recent years. Goldberg looked like a man possessed, breaking out obscure wrestling holds, going for various submissions, and selling like he was Bret Hart. Circa WrestleMania 10. Goldberg won the match after ducking a diamond cutter, but the true winners were all those watching in the arena and not on pay-per-view. Why, you may ask. The show was running late, and as a result, they went past the 11 o'clock hour. Typically, a pay-per-view would go from 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. 
then the rerun or the replay would go from 11 to 2. Typically, a pay-per-view will last two hours and 45 minutes on average, so you have a 15-minute gap between the live show and the replay. Whether it was due to the overcrowded booking, matches going over, Hogan and Warrior extending their oh-so-dramatic match, whatever the case may be, 11 p.m. hit, automatically pay-per-view providers shut down the show. The show went dark. Some believe it was intentional. Some say it was poor planning by WCW. When you look back at it, they had 11 matches on one show. Add the entrances in, post-match shenanigans. And when you look back, that could be the reason why it was overcrowded. 11 matches on one pay-per-view could cause a a show to go over. 11 o'clock hit. And you're dying to see this confrontation between DDP and Goldberg the rising champion of DDP against the phenomenal, undestructible Goldberg. And then, nothing. Some fans thought it was a bait-and-switch tactic, which Bischoff used before, and therefore they felt it was intentional, done by Eric Bischoff. As a result, WCW aired the match for free on Nitro the next night in its entirety. So if you paid for the pay-per-view, you got to watch the main event for free the next night didn't bode well for WCW and it's not surprising that WCW started to flounder from that point on whether that was the springboard or whether it was a sign of things to come that was a major error and unfortunately one of the most memorable moments in Halloween Havoc history it's sad that it was not on a positive note will go into this with reckless abandon, not worrying about taking punishment. Every man, man. That's right. Every man has taken punishment. What about that arm drag by Page? Page, get up. You can go over five minutes or go over seven minutes. If you have a deal with the company, they just felt there would be no repercussions. They really did. None. Everybody, in production-wise, was trying to help no matter who you were or your feelings, to get it done, because we knew, we knew what it meant, you know, as far as to the company and, and, and the ramifications of, of this. It was, it was nuts. I think that's when, this, when this, they started to really analyze, what are we doing here? We're letting this thing run amok, run by itself. Nobody's watching us. I think that's when it really started to go down. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Ringside Collectibles is the number one online retailer for the newest and hottest professional wrestling action figures. Since 1995, Ringside Collectibles has been the industry leader in professional wrestling figures and collectibles and are known worldwide for their high quality, their service, and detailed looks at your favorite wrestling figures, including top quality photos and a renowned YouTube channel. Simply put, they are here to help you. They know how hard it can be to find 
brand new WWE figures in your local stores. That is why they strive to provide you with the best possible wrestling figure shopping experience on the web. You can check out the latest releases at ringsidecollectibles.com and wrestlingfigures.com to stay on the pulse of what's new, hot, and exciting in the world of wrestling action figures. Follow Ringside Collectibles on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at Ringside C. Ringside Collectibles, the home for the professional wrestling action figure fan. You're listening to the Retro Wrestling Podcast, Beyond the Bell. You can listen to Beyond the Bell on iTunes, Player.fm, the SNS Radio Network, Podbay.fm, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and our official website, btbcast.com. Connect socially on Facebook and Twitter at btbcast. Watch retro videos on our official YouTube channel, btbcast network. Questions, comments, and suggestions can be sent to contact at btbcast.com go old school with beyond the bell Well, my fellow ghosts and goblins, we close the book on the trilogy of Halloween Havoc. I'm sure we can go back and discuss 1999 in Halloween Havoc history, but we know 99 and 2000 weren't the best years in WCW history. Plus, we really wanted to include some of the bright spots in the event as it was one of my favorites. But who knows, we may cover the latter years in Havoc history, but the period of 95 through 98 was definitely unique in its history. Falling off of Cobo Hall, does the Giant, a monster truck madness event between the Giant and Hulk Hogan. The Giant winning the WCW Championship in his first ever match. Plus, the highly anticipated rematch between the Ultimate Warrior, now known as the Warrior at that time, and Hollywood Hogan. It was definitely a disappointing matchup and a letdown for fans that were waiting for years and years to see the rematch of rematches. But the cruiserweights were unbelievable during this time period. They really had groundbreaking matches. Eddie Guerrero, Rey Mysterio, Dean Malenko, and others throw Chris Jericho in there. The undercard was excellent, and it was surely displayed during this era in Halloween Havoc history. Thank you so much for joining me on this ride to celebrate one of the more unique events in professional wrestling history. Personally, I would like to see Halloween Havoc back on WWE programming. Maybe it will happen with the second version now of the brand split or brand extension or distinctive rosters, however they want to call it. Maybe not a specific pay-per-view, maybe a, a network special, as most events seem to be network specials anyway these days. Maybe they could tie it into NXT as that brand seems to go more old school, as we old school fans seem to love the product that comes out of Orlando and NXT. Nevertheless, I would love to see Halloween Havoc 
back in modern day form. Why not have everyone dress up? To me, having the superstars dress up was so unique. I thought it was cool. I was a kid. Maybe maybe it won't hold up over time, but I like the the I like different pay-per-view themes. I hate when pay-per-views seem to have no identity and one runs into the other and there's not really any distinguishable traits to events. Another key thing of Halloween Havoc I loved were the entranceways. The one thing I'll give it to WCW is that every entranceway, for the most part, had an original theme to it. The WWE used to do that. Now, in this day and age, I'm not sure whether it's due to the setup of the gorilla position being standardized or due to their high-tech HD set that they can't really modify it that much. Instead of modifying the set itself, they'll modify the video on the screen, which I don't mind. It can kind of make its own unique style in a way i know they kind of attempted to do that for the king of the ring they had most recently but wcw had unique entranceways and sets and halloween havoc was one of the most unique i think up there with the bash of the beach sets you, know, you had sand with the beach but you had goose and goblins ghosts and goblins ghouls and goblins plus you had that the infamous trademark big pumpkin in the center of the entranceway with that goblin reaching on top of it. Who will forget the Snickers logo blasted everywhere, including on the uh, ring apron. The Halloween Havoc logo was spooky in itself. It was modified over the years. The traditional logo was my favorite, of course. We go old school. Slim Jim Halloween Havoc. The Slim Jim logo seen everywhere. The cemetery backdrop with the headstones all over. It was just cool. I would love to see that back in a modern day version, but that's just me. Some of you fans may agree. If you don't, let me know your thoughts. You can reach me at contact at btbcast.com. So we wrap up this review of Halloween Havoc and its history, and we look ahead to the next part of our retro content covering World Championship Wrestling. On the next edition, we change things up as we present an original episode. I know I've mentioned during the beginning of the season that a lot of the initial content you'll receive as we're splitting up into separate seasons now and following a specific theme within each season will consist of a lot of the older content remastered and reorganized and packaged for you fans. Now, I knew we'd have a couple of original episodes in this season, and this upcoming episode will be one of those. We will be covering in-depth the history and the legacy of the WCW television title one of the most commemorated championships in professional wrestling history when i asked what title do you want to see back one of the top if not the top answer i would always get would be the wcw television title and on our next installment we cover its history the greatest champions the greatest matches and the legacy of that tv championship so fans until next time this is your retro host and your personal ring announcer, Sean Beckerman, signing off. Thanks for listening to Beyond the Bell. Remember to always keep it old school, my friends.